Welcome to Talk Footy Podcast, the podcast where life is reflected through intimate conversation with me, your host, Nikki F. Webb. Welcome back to another episode of Talk Friday Podcast. Thank you for tuning in another Tuesday evening. Um, let me go ahead and I will introduce our special guest. It's going to be Richard Anthony from the hello, hello. Golden Ticket Podcast. So thank you for mm-hmm. tuning in all the way on the East Coast. We got a East Coast, West mm-hmm. Coast function going New on. New York right in now. the house. New York in the house. You know, Mount Brennan in the house. BX stand up. And how are you feeling? How's how's your week been going? I'm feeling. I, well, first off, thank you for having me on. I don't know if I said that to you already, but thank you for having me on. Um, I'm feeling real good today, man. Had a had a great day. Woke up. Um, you know, woke up. Did my morning meditation. Drank some tea. Had a real chill morning. I can't ask for nothing better than that. I'm in between jobs right now, so I'm not necessarily working. So that gives me a lot of free time to like really focus on myself and my podcast and my future and stuff like that. So I'm in a real good space right now, man. A real good space. That's good. You uh, mentioned morning meditations. Um, what's your routine on that? Well, <laughs> I feel like that's something everybody should do. So I, yeah, I guess I never really talked about it that often. So, um. Every morning, I I have, like, a mantra that I repeat to myself every single morning that I write down. Just some daily affirmations of things that I personally need to work on. That's, like, the first thing I do every single morning because it just gets me in the right headspace. And then I just do a few, like, if I can, if I'm working and stuff, I know that gets harder. But if I try to, like, get... 10 minutes of just per, of a silence and just thinking and reflecting on the day and the week and, oh, you know, okay, feeling. It's hard because, you know, when most people wake up, they kind of wake up only with the time to get straight to work. But I feel like once you already wake up with that rushed mindset, you're going to be rushing throughout the whole day, you mm-hmm. know? Right. And that's how you mess things up in your life is by just trying to speed past it. Life is not a fast, it's not a waste race for who who can run the fastest it's about who can keep on going the longest so if you take just a few minutes of just focusing on yourself and mental health and um and just your your being not even just mental health just your state of being your state of consciousness and your vibration mm-hmm. then you'll start to notice different real big differences in your in your day-to-day if you ask me do you have a morning do you have a morning routine no I am one of those people who wake up with just enough to enough time to get ready for work and um, mm-hmm. barely clock in on time. <laughs> I can relate to that because I I've done that before. You know that was that that's typically how it, how it's done. I mean, I, I when I was um, first got out of college and stuff like that, and 
I was working at this um, maintenance job at a hotel in the city, you know, just cleaning shit and cleaning the cleaning the rooms and <laughs> cleaning cockroaches out of people's rooms, <laughs> shit like that. It was it was rough, <laughs> but um, I was just waking up with enough time to go to my job and went, and I was taking night classes and stuff at the same time and I was just trying to do enough where I can get to my job and stuff and I realized every single day I was tired every yeah. single day I was tired it was ridiculous and then I just decided and then one day I decided to wake up a little earlier give myself a little bit more time in the morning so I don't feel like I'm rushing and all of a sudden, it didn't feel like I was tired when I was going to work. It felt like I did something with my day, and now I'm on my way there, and I feel more complete. So I definitely recommend the morning routine, like, if that's something that you feel like you could fit into your schedule. I think with my morning routine, I want to incorporate going to the gym. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I found I won't go after, like, right after work. It'll either mm-hmm. be late, late night, like maybe 10, 11, mm-hmm. or it has to be early morning. Mm-hmm. I tried to go to the gym in the morning, man. That was, it was so hard for me. Are you, do you consider yourself a morning person, per se? I, I think I'm a morning person. I um, Really? Yeah, I... I think I should schedule uh, a lot of the things that I want to be really productive on. I think I should put those in the morning because I'm pretty much on go once I'm up. Yeah, I'll definitely be um, waking up at an earlier time. Um, earlier time. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I, I can never understand what it would be like to be a morning person. I can never, because even though I do those things in the morning, I'm I I'm not a morning person at all. I normally try and wake up like six a.m. about around six a.m. is when I try and start my day, which is you know I mean it's early for it's early ish, but for me, what's hard for me is falling asleep at night. That's so hard for me. That's not difficult like, for me at all, and that's probably <laughs> why I need to put a lot of my task in the morning. Otherwise, mm-hmm. when it's time to go to sleep, I'm asleep. If I, it depends on my habits at the time. If like, if I'm smoking, like, and stuff like that, then it's easy for me to fall asleep. But if I'm just, just in, in a vibe where I'm not doing anything like extracurricular, all I'm doing is going to work and coming back home and just doing that over and over again at nighttime, and I try, I just don't fall asleep, and I try not to take like night medication for that, you know. Oh yeah. I try not to take night, but it, it's 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 hard not to, to be honest. Does smoking help? Um, it helps me. It helps me a lot. It helps me a lot, like to get my body back on pace. But I can't do that in the mornings, though. If you smoke in the morning, like I don't know, do you do you smoke? No, I'm not a I'm not a regular smoker. Yeah, is it recreational I, I or um, legal in New York? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Oh. <laughs> it's not. It's, I'm definitely incriminating <laughs> myself right now. <laughs> you better come back over to the West Coast. 
<laughs> they get I to know, all right, exactly. I need to go over there to Riverside, find out where, where, it, where it's at for real. But, I mean, it's just, it's not very, it's not recreational. That's already a fight that I've been trying to fight my whole life. So, like, I don't understand why it's still illegal. Well, I know why it's still illegal, but I don't know why. I think too many people are making money off of it being illegal, to be honest. Like, it would never... Crossover? Well, like it, completely? you know, it, it will, I think, eventually, especially now because more people are informed about it. But it's like originally the only reason that it was illegal was because of how many things and how many industries it would put out of business. Like paper, like hemp could be made, used to make paper. Hemp can be used to make, um, hemp could be used to make fenders for cars and shit like that. Oh, really? Yeah. The first car ever made was made out of a hemp for its fender, out of weed. You know, the first Ford car ever made. So you see, you you people don't even realize that there's so many there's so many industries that would go out of business mm-hmm. or have way more competition if they allowed hemp and um you know weed and stuff like that to really take over. The alcohol industry would suffer. So many industries, tobacco industry. It goes deeper than most people think it goes, to be honest. You think that it will eventually become legal? I think it will eventually because everyone's talking about it. People are so much more informed about it. And, you know, people are fighting for it. This generation, I feel like, is a generation for change, in my opinion. So maybe, I hope so. (laughs) I feel like so... (laughs) Too many people are in jail for that shit, man. For some bo- for bullshit like weed, and we just need to get over that part of, of ourselves in society. You know? No, I agree. What is your take on? Do you feel like you feel like this thing should be should remain illegal, or do no. you think that it should? You don't think so? I don't so? think it should remain illegal, and I don't think that it should have been the class that it is. It makes sense, introduce like if they have so many different industries that would be impacted. And there mm-hmm. are certain companies exactly. that, you know, run a part of each one of those industries. Mm-hmm. You know how they have those monopolies in some sort, in some groups. So I can, exactly. I can understand why it hasn't been able to take over like it could have. But what I do hate, though, about the fact that it's become so popularized nowadays is that some people don't even view it as like a drug anymore, you know? So some people, they stay at home all day. All they do is smoke all day. You know what I mean? And it's like they don't view that as a problem. They don't understand that being in a space where your own the only headspace that you know is is a is an impaired mind state in general. If it's if you have an impaired mind state and that's your regular mind state, I feel like that that can create a problem for you. Like that could give a chemical that could create a chemical imbalance. You know. But people tend to not, people tend to not think about that at all. I agree, and that's why because, I'm not a regular uh-huh. smoker. I will uh-huh. like even um, our topic um, on mental health. So like exactly. I, I use it more medicinally. So I'll go and get it when um, uh-huh. it's more of like you know the medication aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a regular smoker, but. It's legal here, so you can go to a dispensary, 
mm-hmm. get you some pre-rolls or you can um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. get you some good, <laughs> nice quality medication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which creates a different, which creates a great vibe. It creates a really good vibe when you can feel like when you're buying it, it's exactly what you say it's supposed to be and all those different things like that. But at the same time, it, it makes people feel like they could just do it all day long. And it's that just not good for you, I feel like, you know? And it's, very, it's interesting when you see the types of people that come in and out of the dispensary. Um, it's like all types of people. There's like no exactly. like specific classification for a type mm-hmm. of person that smokes weed. It's every type of person that comes in and out of that dispensary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. It's everybody. Nowadays, even grandmas, <laughs> even grandmas, are, you know, are blazing up nowadays. I know one time I was walking through the city. Actually, on the podcast, I kind of t- talk about it a little bit. I was walking through the city. And this old white lady um, named Sunday, she came over to me and, you know, she was drunk and high and she was, have, she was, she was living her best life. And she, she's an older lady. So I was like, wow, like it's, it's gone past, it's gone past a generational thing. It's, it, it's been, it's not taboo anymore, which is a good place for it to be. Was uh, Sunday, that. was she uh just randomly on the street or was exactly she was um her husband was drunk and he was just like trying to swim like he was trying to like swim across (laughs) the sidewalk it was it was real weird i was not expecting that i was coming from my um for my job i seen this guy trying to swim across the sidewalk i was like you know typically as a new yorker you just walk over people like that you walk around them or you know you kind of just ignore them because you see crazy shit like that every day. But for some reason, I stopped. And then when I stopped and I started talking to her, she was just telling me about how much she loves smoking and, you know, just how much a different adventure she has and, you know, different stuff like that. And it was just, it was such an interesting experience. I never really talked to an older person, like somebody of her age, about some of the shit like drugs and all that different type of stuff you know, different types of things that, you know, I thought only younger people do, honestly, at that time, but she proved me wrong. Right. And living out here, um, I'm in Vegas. I've been out here for like two years now. And this is a part, this is a complete party town. So you see all (laughs) types of people from different backgrounds that are under the influence, Mm -hmm. crazy in the street, um, (laughs) lost, um, just living it up. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why I actually moved here. I was like, I'm going to Vegas so I can party. But then when you get here and you're like, okay, well, I can't live like a tourist now. So <laughs> so now, now I'm just trying to figure out, you know, you can't get swallowed up in like uh, gambling and alcohol and all the other vices out here. But mm-hmm. people watching is very interesting. I have a question for you about Vegas. So one thing about about Vegas that's really interesting that separates it from the rest of the U.S. is the fact that prostitution is legal over there. How do you feel about that? Um, it's not it's not legal. There oh, is it's not a, legal. No, there are certain parts where mm-hmm. prostitution is legal. 
Um, mm -hmm. Like if you're talking about the Bunny Ranch and there's certain areas, but mm, I don't even know what it is. You cannot come and prostitute yourself legally in Las Vegas. Um, what? There's the saying: you come up, come on vacation, leave on probation. And I've seen, <laughs> I've heard lots of stories of women who get brought down to Vegas and then they are leaving with lots of cases. But mm -hmm. it it's not it's not hidden um, mm -hmm. that that's what goes on around here a lot. And um, there's places near the strip that has heavy traffic for prostitution. There are um, it's kind of almost like a given if you're approached mm -hmm. either male or female. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, is this person working or not? But mm -hmm. Do you feel like it should be legal everywhere, though? Like, do you feel like that's one of those industries that that should be that should be illegal, or do you feel like it it should be legal all over the U.S.? Um, that's kind of a fine line because you have a lot of people who are trafficked underage and things like mm -hmm. that. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a slippery slope in that aspect. But mm -hmm. it is one of the oldest professions. And it's, I don't believe that it's an industry that's ever going to, like, slow down on exactly. the amount of dollars that are in it. Um, mm -hmm. And people, I, I guess it's quick and easy. I don't know the mindset um, mm -hmm. that would get a person into that willingly. But I don't think it's anything that's going to slow down at all. Like, I don't think... Well, it's definitely not going to slow down. I agree. <laughs> I definitely think that it's not going to slow down, like... I feel like, as you were saying, it's one of the old professions. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. You kind of just got to. But in regards to the safety, though, I feel like if, if, if the government involves itself and, like, for example, everybody who is going to be a part of that lifestyle, you have to register. You know, you have to register under under some um, government name. We have to have your date of birth, things like that. Instead of these girls being able to be picked up on the street and, you know, just put on the internet and stuff like that, and nobody knows who they are, where they come from, anything like that, I don't think that's right. I feel like somebody, there needs to be some type of regulation when it comes to things like that. What you notice is that, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if this is a correlation, but between that specifically, because in places where, you know, prostitution is legal, usually a lot of other things are also legal, you know what I mean? Right. So it's like you can't really attribute it just to just the prostitution. But usually the people in general in those areas tend to be happier than in places where, you know, everything is illegal. You know, like prostitution in the has been legal in Switzerland mm -hmm. since 1942. Wow. And is protected by the Constitution. There you go. There you go. But for some reason... I just hate that the government can allow somebody, tell somebody what to do and what not to do. That just frustrates me. If it's not affecting somebody else, how can you tell somebody what they can and can't do, you know? Well, do you think um, it becomes more of like, um, how does it impact society? That may be well, I why. Think I think there's definitely, the government has like a responsibility to society, but I feel like there's certain things that that will just always be a part of society. 
that are taboo. You know what I mean? And no amount of laws will change that. People who want to get high. You know what I mean? Just in general. Not just, you know, people just want to, people like to change their mindset. People like to get drink, you know? Right. If the, the government tried to make drinking illegal and then you saw what happened, that's when the mob and stuff took over. Yeah, each generation, um, each generation mm-hmm. has their, their drug of choice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then the same thing with prostitution. Like that's no matter how many laws and regulations you put into place, that's never gonna that's never gonna change. It doesn't matter how like people are going to try and find a way to do that. Yeah, I don't see so that changing. Like exactly. So I think the government needs to take less of a responsibility of I'm going to try and change society and more of an approach like I'm gonna try and make our society safer for the people who choose to get into that lifestyle. Because some young women, I mean, sadly, there's a lot of young women who they don't have, they don't, they don't feel like they have an option. So they hit the streets, you know? Do you think it's more of like, which is the easier approach? You can mm -hmm. um, make certain things taboo and you kind of have, um, you kind of have society going along with either ostracizing or, um, Exactly, demonizing people who get into that lifestyle. Yeah, and it's kind of like an assistance and control factor. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's what I'm saying. They, they're making, they made you think that it's taboo. I'm sure if you go to some tribe in, um, <laughs> actually there's an experiment with um, that, I forgot what, what, what it was called, where they gave monkeys coins, and for each coin, like a monkey could buy food. The first thing the monkey started doing was trading the coins for sex. The first thing, <laughs> the first thing the monkeys did was trade the coins for sex. Were they introduced so this, to like sex? I'm, what experiment is no, that? No, no, that just naturally. How? What? The first thing that they started that the, I guess the female monkey. I don't know all the details in terms of whether it's the female or the male monkeys trading what, but. I would assume that the, the female monkeys were getting traded coins that they could use to buy food for sex. That's the first thing they started doing. It's so and like, and there's no shame in that. They did. I'm sure the monkeys weren't shaming like the the other monkeys who started doing that. But because we believe that those things are wrong because of generations of just indoctrination, then you know we we don't even know what our original state would be we barely, we don't even know our original if you're black at least you don't even know your original name right. you know right so so it was like how are you even going to you think that you know what's wrong and right based off of what somebody told you was wrong or right but you don't know what originally people felt about certain things back in the day let's say they find some mushrooms on the ground you're not going to uh, you think the the people were arresting somebody. They find some mushrooms on the ground and they eat it, and then they start tripping. No, that wasn't that wasn't anybody's business other than your own. Right. But now you get caught, caught with some mushrooms or something like that. It's very likely you could go to jail. So it's just I don't know. I just think that it's weird that we're in a place in society where we're so so advanced in certain ways, but yet at the same time we still are so traditional in other ways. I think a lot of um, a lot of people today are moving away from that type of uh, traditional guidelines or lifestyle 
And mm-hmm. I think that's probably why. So I, have, I think there's exactly. a lot of people nowadays who are more relaxed or who didn't have certain values. And people are just mm-hmm. like the government, the world is just shifting to accommodate that or keep a certain positions. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Which is, which is, it's so interesting because it's like where, who, who exactly made, do you feel like, um, so I have a question for you. Are you, are you, do you consider yourself Christian? I'm not uh, a religious person. I don't, I don't attend church mm-hmm. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm are not, you, do you consider yourself spiritual? I, I'm diving more oh. into spirituality, but I haven't totally dove in a lane. Mm-hmm. So I'm just well, pretty much I'm, like, mm-hmm. I have no. Well, I'm, I'm, what's well, I grew up Seventh-day Adventist, so that's kind of like being Jewish uh-huh. in a certain way. It's like being, like, there's a lot more black people in it, but it's like being like a Jew, but at the same time believing in Jesus. It's like a weird thing like that. But I, but even though I'm, you know, Christian or whatever the case may be, I still believe that the church is the reason for a lot of the 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 traditionality that we have and the indoctrination that we have. Yeah, I I definitely think it's more like indoctrination. Um just from the way that it was introduced to us and then for myself, the reason why I pulled away from uh religion and Christianity is mm-hmm. a lot of things were being made a mockery. And also, you start to look at the way certain people or certain groups of people um, versus what was given to black people in the way that is kind of used to control. So I was like, I'm, I'm just gonna separate myself from that to kind of, because um, I really don't like a like a cult type behavior. Yeah. Uh huh. And it was it was, like, it was feeling like mm-hmm. that to me. Mm-hmm. Man, what what um what denomination? If you don't mind me asking, um, like I'm not, I'm so far removed from it, I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, <laughs> which exact when it was? Mm-hmm. Like my um, mm-hmm. my grandma was real heavy into church, and then mm-hmm. my mom moved from the Bay Area up to Sacramento, and I was like maybe uh six or so. So it's been uh-huh. a long time, and uh, only time I went to church growing up was like if a friend invited me and was like, "Oh, spend the night. We can go to church in the morning," and then I'm kind of uh-huh. holding my hand like, "Why? <laughs> Why did you say that?" <laughs> and then the parents oh, like, "Sure, no. okay, yeah." And now I'm now I gotta go to church in the morning. I gotta wake up, oh, eat some my. rice and ketchup, and then go to church. <laughs> <laughs> rice and ketchup. <laughs> That's some real headlines right there. But yeah, funny. it's been a long time, and I haven't like um, I haven't really identified with any type of like religion. So, I used to be mm-hmm. on that kind of like hype of where, you know, you post about you know why are people, you know, this not the same God that they worship mm-hmm. that you worship, mm-hmm. and so I used to always put it down. And I'm like, that's not even the point anymore. You know, it's not exactly. about convincing anyone else to not believe or change their point of view. This is just my own journey. That's the thing. I feel like once you get into, because I, I was that same way. I feel like there was a large large portion of my life where I was just, had some type of resent 
against God, you know? And, like, I just didn't. And because of that, I just, or just whatever higher power, I just resented the idea of there being a higher power so much. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, if you believe in that, um, I, I kind of just resented you too. You know what I mean? Right. So, but then I got to a point where I was just like, you have to allow everybody to be on their own wave, on their own vibration. You can't really tell people how to feel or what to, or what works for them. What are you going to tell that mother who Christianity allowed her to forgive that kid who murdered her son, you know? Right. And Christianity is the reason why she feels like she has the strength to do that. You're going to tell me that Christianity is still wrong or that religion in general is still wrong after you see this mother, like, benefiting from it so heavily? And so people who are in their religion and um, who speak on those types of situations or... Um, spread that message I'm not you know why would I you know I've removed myself from it but why would I need to spread or provide anything um, to make them think anything different which would go back to me is like um, Mm -hmm. you know morals and just you know doing the right thing or uh, living a certain way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I look at it for those aspects Mm -hmm. and you can pull that from you know wherever you don't have to have an anchor to religion to exactly. do the right thing, which, and so that's how I am. Which is exactly mm-hmm. that's exact. Why do you feel? Because I, you know what it is. I feel like as humans, we have this urge to feel right all the time. You know, we want to feel like our way is the only way because I'm the only person who really matters. You know, but then also it goes I, to because we always attach to something or follow something. So in each person's, you know, our message, either it is following a religion or not, there's probably always Mm -hmm. going to be someone because your message is, of course, your message. And if you have a platform or wherever you are, you probably would speak to that, but not necessarily Mm -hmm. with the intent of trying to um, get anyone on the bandwagon with you. But somebody's going to be listening and you might sway them in a certain way. But I think that's where it's a little bit, um, a little bit tricky because you probably want to just, you know, give your message from your experience. But when you have people that come in and they use it as like a tool to manipulate, that's where it's kind of, you know, you got to be weary. You have to just live your truth. That's what I'm, that's the formula to fix that. You have to be just living your authentic self. And if somebody sees you being authentic and they can relate to it, then, you know, that's good for them. But I, I will feel like, I will feel the way I feel about certain things regardless, you know, regardless of what certain people, unless you present me with some, obviously, if you, if you show me some information that proves me a hundred percent wrong. I have to admit that I'm wrong. That's a good um, segue into our topic because we were supposed to touch on mental health. Oh, yeah. And like you said, living your true, authentic self, I think that deals deals a lot with um, being strong in who you are mentally and and making sure you have your mental health. Taken care of, exactly. Yeah. So um, with mental health, like, I guess I was kind of trying to talk about living your truth more than anything else. 
and not being afraid to be who you truly are versus what, you know, what kind of boxes people try and put you in. Because, like, I feel like that's something that I've been dealing with and struggling with a lot, you know? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Really? So how, how so are you in the same boat? Like, what's the example? I feel for myself, I tend to do a lot of, like, self-sabotaging. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm always worried about what, how does something look? How is it perceived? What are people's opinions? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, well, I, you gotta re- so I end up not doing a lot of the projects that I have. Yeah. Can I you curse on your platform? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, then fuck those people, honestly. Fuck everybody who has to, like, say anything other than you should go for it. You know what I mean? Those people that are in your life who are, who you, who you think about in those moments, you got to just stop caring about their opinion. Because I'm in the same, like for me, it's my parents, you know, and I still live with them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I still obviously have to care about their opinion and things of that nature. But it's like, I can't allow their, like anybody's opinion to make me be like, yo, I don't want to do this project because, or I don't want to say this on this project because it's not the quote unquote, like right thing to do or what people think is the, is what you're supposed to be saying. You know what I mean? What you're saying and what you're talking about. Like, cause I know, for example, like if I, if I want to talk to like a, like a um sex education teacher, like I was trying to t- get an interview with a stripper one time, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I was like in my mind, like, oh, shit, you know, what is, the, you know, what is my mom going to think? Think she's going to be tight at me for, you know, for doing this and da di da di da Like, it's going to be out there for everybody to see. Do I, do I care what people think about me? But then I realized, like, fuck what people have to think about me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm actually transitioning to a therapist right now, trying to get my um, myself situated with that. I mean, so I feel like mental health is something that, people don't people are talking about it more don't get me wrong people are talking about it more now than ever before i feel like especially in the black community there are people like charlamagne the god and um just other people in general who are really talking about mental health pretty pretty consistently and i feel like that's a it's a it's it's a conversation but i feel like so far it's become a real surface conversation if that makes any sense, you know, mm-hmm. like it's become more common. It's become more just since everybody's talking about it. Obviously, some people are going to use it for to capitalize and to make money. And oh, to right. Just, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's becoming watered down to the point where people are talking about certain aspects of mental health that they clearly know nothing about and don't even experience. And you don't know somebody's somebody's journey. So maybe I'm 100 percent wrong. And every single person who talks about mental health has po- has um has positive reasons for it, but I'm seeing a lot of people who 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 are I feel like are just trying to capitalize off of the message instead of actually talking their truth, which is the only way to really help somebody else dealing with a situation like that. You know, right? I think um it's um so it's so many different facets to mental health and with it being different from person to person there's so many ways to um like what what may work for one person may not work for another and Uh it's kind of hard to I think it's kind of hard to 
give like exact tools where people can say, all right, you know, if I could recognize this in a friend or family, then I can do this. Um, But I think it's so touchy depending on the person. Any little thing could push a person over the edge instead of helping. Exactly. Anything can push somebody over. And actually this whole, this week I was talking to somebody about emotional scars that we have as, as, as young people that we don't even address as we get older, you know, and things that have genuinely scarred you. So for me, um, when I was younger, people used to call me ugly all the time. <laughs> like that was something that people used to just, people used to always say that, like, cause I had ashy hands, had high waters, you know, I didn't know how to dress all that, you know, now it's, you know, a different story or whatever the case may be. But when I was younger, I couldn't really control that. You know, I had what I had and I didn't have what I didn't have. Yeah, I didn't have fly clothes and I didn't really, I don't feel like I was taking care of myself, you know, because I'm a kid. Right. But, you know, all the other kids used to make fun of me, all that type of stuff. And that really affect, affected me. And I, and I didn't even address it until I turned 22. I didn't address that fact that now now I'm like doing all these different things in order to, you know, make sure my physical appearance is so nice. I, I buy like $600 jackets. I like, what? you know, spend, <laughs> I like spend all this money on clothes and I'm always collecting clothes and I'm, and I'm, you know, going to get manicures and pedicures, which are good to do, by the way. Don't get me wrong. Self-care yeah. is not something you should, you know, you should run away from, especially as a man, you should never run away from it. But I was like, I never got to the deeper issue of why am I doing this? You know, nowadays, the last time I bought clothes, all my money goes into podcasting equipment and food. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be honest. That's where most of my money goes into podcast equipment, food, you know, other people, um, social events. That's where most of my money goes nowadays. Sadly, you know, I need to, cut back on going out to all these social events and all this, you know, parties and all that other bullshit. But yeah, 2020 is on. my year of savings. I started, mm-hmm. I started a little bit towards the end of last year, but okay. I'm really going to try and be more disciplined this year because if someone invites me out, then I'm going to go. Even if I, I should, <laughs> even if I, I cannot afford it, but where there is a will, there's a way. And it always works out in the I end. know exactly. Exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about right now. Where do you think that stems from? Do you feel like that stems from something from when you're younger, like not having that ability to say no or not having that ability to, um, or finding it hard, not not having I the ability, but finding exactly it hard. I think that's exactly what it is because I'm never, I'm never a person to say no. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty much what it is, just not lacking that discipline. Mm-hmm. You, did that happen a lot? I don't want to become, get a, like into a therapy session with you right now, but like, did that happen? Do you, when you were younger, did people? Do you feel like you had to prove something to other people? Um, no, I wouldn't say I had to prove anything. Um, I think probably for me, a lot of it was already like assumed. Okay. So then it was like, okay, well, let me make sure you know, keep up appearance, that type of thing. Okay. And so now it's like, well, 
if I have the invite, then I've got to go. Exactly. I see. I see. I know exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about right now. I feel like I said exactly a lot. We're kind of we're kind of agreeing on a lot of things right now. But that same exact thing you're talking about right now is my same reason. But I feel like it comes from a place of trying to please and trying to um trying to be trying to be everything to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, like for my mom, I try and be you know this way. I try to be like you know the golden boy, you know, that's going to work and, you know, not really doing much, you know, for my friends, I want to be this guy who, you know, turn, can have fun, things like that. For like a woman, I'm trying to be, you know, somebody who she feels protected by this and the third. And there's just always me trying to prove something to somebody, you know, and always me trying to, you know, be something for somebody yeah and I feel like that that's something that I've been dealing with a lot actually no I've been um yeah we are pretty much on the same page that's huh. pretty much that's what I've been dealing with a lot that was that was probably part of the reason why I moved from California to Las Vegas too because um, I was kind of focusing on a little bit of separation between uh-huh. myself and um other people uh-huh. and I don't have so you could finally, uh-huh. yeah so you can kind of like you know find finally find out who you are yes find out who you are without being for people uh-huh. Uh-huh. Exactly. exactly which is a which is such a, a real strong and powerful move that you made there um having the strength to say actually Nah, you know, I'm I'm gonna go to a new state. I'm gonna try and figure it out over there. Did you have family and friends in Vegas already? Uh, no, I actually have a few friends that moved um that moved out here maybe three or five years before I did. Um, I uh, so it wasn't like best friends or anything, somebody like that. Yeah, no, I was like these people have they already have their life. I'm not going to try and mm-hmm. interrupt their life. I'm just trying to build my own. And um, Mm -hmm. I was like, let me not bother them. Mm -hmm. But once I moved out here, once I moved out here, everybody wanted to come and visit. Because now it's like, (laughs) okay, well, we don't got to get a hotel room. We're going to just come crash. Mm -hmm. And so I partied for like the first year. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get anything done. (laughs) That sounds like the story of Vegas. Yeah, it is. You if you move <laughs> out here, you may develop a slight drinking problem. You just got <laughs> that's like comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. I mean, you walk. Well, I I've never been to the West Coast before, but like I can imagine that it's just insanity over there when it comes to just to all night partying and stuff like that. It's like yeah. a city in the middle of a, of a desert. It's amazing for that, especially um, our weather. We're starting to warm up probably, I think, usually around the end of February. We'll start to, wow, uh, I wish. Start to get uh, the temperature raised. And then we mm-hmm. have uh, pool parties that will be coming out next. Mm-hmm. And then um, it's great for women. Mm-hmm. You get open bar, free drinks. Oh, man. Everywhere. 
Yeah, girl. Yeah, women get all get all than men when it comes to parties. I see party flyers like women free until ten, guys fifty dollars, <laughs> fifty dollars, a hundred dollars after twelve. <laughs> I'm like, what? How can you afford to just let every single woman in for free, but every guy and has champagne, to pay like champagne all night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because it's no open bar once you get in there. You're probably gonna have to buy yourself a drink, and then if you see a woman, like let's say you see a woman who you're interested in, maybe you buy her a drink, or maybe you come with somebody. You gotta buy. If you're that type of person, you buy them a drink. Hey, <laughs> going to parties for men is expensive. Just the average night, yeah. not even anything. And crazy. Vegas definitely knows how to. This whole city is built on siphoning so mm-hmm. much money from people. It's crazy. <laughs> Oh man, what do you think about women using their um like their divine feminine in order to like get things out of life? I feel like there's nothing wrong with that. What do you mean? So like I know for um for for example, when I meet when I meet a young lady, like or I met young ladies actually. I have friends who who are girls or whatever and they say like, "Yeah, you know, we'll let a guy buy us a few drinks with no, you know, knowing that I don't really fuck with him like that. You know what I mean? Or I'll let him take me out a couple of times knowing that, you know, I don't really care about that. And some guys view that as, oh, she took advantage of me or, oh, like, you know, oh, like, how could she do that to me? But I'm like, what's wrong with, what's wrong with, go, like, it's take, like the allowing somebody to take life. you out? Exactly. It's exactly. like, um, what are those birds? Like those birds of paradise, like, how there's so many mm-hmm. different species and then they have so many different ways that they perform their mm-hmm. courtship and they do their feathers and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's all a part of the process. Some of them enjoy your nest and will allow mm-hmm. you to mate. Some of them will not. But you put your dance on, you put it life. on anyways. But I, I just hate the fact that you feel like oh, because I bought you this or because I did this thing for you now, oh, we have, we might have, like, I feel obligated that you have to, you know, you have to fuck with me after this or we have to get another dinner, another date going or something like that. I mean, people have different intentions. So if that is, Mm -hmm. if a person buying a woman a drink, if their intention Uh is to sleep with that person at the, at the end of the night, then... Hopefully, the purchasing of the drink would convey that to the person. Now, if it does not, then Uh each party should just walk away. Exactly. And sometimes that's not always the case. If it becomes crazy like that. that? um, No, me personally, I don't. Because I'm not, I honestly do not get drinks purchased for me like that. Really? When I go out, it I'm I just go out to have a good time and I don't um go home with anyone or anything like that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I've not been um I'm not usually approached. Approached with buying drinks, but have you ever been in a situation with a guy where you weren't necessarily feeling him too much? He was feeling you and you know, maybe like, you know, he like like you you've never like allowed somebody to buy you a few drinks 
take you out and stuff like that, knowing that you didn't have intentions of talking to this person ever again, or even just let him doing it a couple times, you know? Well, it's not, well, if I accept a drink and I already know that nothing is going to happen after that, I'm not accepting that drink like I've just finessed him out of a drink. I accept the drink. Like, I'm not working to um, see how many people I can get to buy me a drink. <laughs> or I'm not yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to pull anything from any person. So mm-hmm. I guess it's probably um, intention on both parts. Mm-hmm. So if you're foul and you're kind of like uh, trying to scam or mm-hmm. um, just play people, then that's different on the female's mm-hmm. part versus a guy who offers a drink or presents a certain gift or whatever, Mm -hmm. I'll accept it. But like you said, there's no obligation with that gift. So if I walk away, they have to walk away as well. I've never been like, um, I've never dealt with any like negative repercussions of accepting a drink Mm -hmm. from someone. Mm -hmm. But even, but I've been in those situations where just like walking out of like a grocery store, a guy will give you a compliment or, um, Mm-hmm. try and talk to you and you say no thank you or you continue to walk away and then they just like you just get this like insult yeah and calling all types of names like it's crazy wow that yeah that that happens a lot in new york too actually that happens a lot in new york but when like i just always think when i see that like i wonder if they think that girl's gonna turn back around now and be like hey actually after you said all that, I kind of want to give you my number now. Now you're trying to figure out what <laughs> what do I have in my pocket? Do I got a pocket knife? Do I got a taser? What? <laughs> like what? What did Man. I come out the house with? <laughs> Man, that's insane. Because as yeah, as a woman, you are. I guess you kind of have to think about that when you're when a when a guy is like kind of getting a little aggressive with you. It's like, damn, this guy might attack me right now. Yeah, it's and it's. That's, it's it is scary because you you kind of have to like read the whole scene. You have to figure out like what okay, like you really have to make an escape route <laughs> in some situations. Oh, and you're like, okay, well I'm gonna play it like this, and then if this happens, then okay, I'm gonna have to go over here. And um, a lot of situations you don't expect to happen, and when they do, it's you really have to. Think about like life and death or like, you know, some type of bodily harm. I could never imagine that shit ever in my life. That's why it's like, so crazy guy, to me when like, guys do that. Like you're, I'm just walking <laughs> down the street and now I'm a bunch of bitches. What, what happened? I mean that, I guess that's why women are so good at intuition too. You know, like they have, they always are constantly having to like, I guess, scope out. A situation, you know, having to scope out the energy of a situation. Like, is this guy, like, insane or not? You know, like, this guy who, you know, who I met, is this guy actually crazy? Because if he is, he could legitimately hurt me, you know? That's definitely what you're thinking in certain situations. You feel like that helped build your intuition a little bit? Like, made you, like, have to read situations even like look at the deeper meaning behind most situations yeah and i think it's just natural like um but i think one of the things is you don't pay attention or you may be a little bit 
uh, naive or just nonchalant about some things. And you really have to like hone in and pay attention. Sometimes we give ourselves excuses. Um, Mm -hmm. But you can't, you don't really know what someone else is going to, how they're going to react or respond in a situation. So a lot of women need to actually focus and pay attention and, and listen to their intuition. That's true. You said you didn't have any kids, right? No. no if children. you had a daughter, how would you would you like raise her to understand this, or would you kind of raise her like and just hope that she figures it out by herself? No, I would. I would try to raise her with paying attention to that intuition. Like a lot of times, like my mom, she she would just give us life lessons in like one sentence, and Leave it at that. And so growing up, then I would, that sentence would, in whatever situation I'm at, that I'm in, then that sentence would replay. And I'm like, oh, okay, so let me go ahead and back myself up out of this. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just hope that I could give my child whatever tools for life lessons so that, so that she does pay attention and and listen to herself. Exactly. I hope, I mean, I don't have any kids either thank god but (laughs) but if i had a daughter i don't know what i would tell her if it came down to guys and how to deal with them because this it's so it's such a a tightrope you know (laughs) like you gotta be thinking about so many different things do you find like um i don't know how old you are but if you're thinking about children do you find yourself recognizing like teachable moments or life lessons as you go about your life like you'd be like oh well you know if I had a child if I had a son or if I had a daughter I would probably express this to them to keep them from a certain situation a hundred a hundred and twenty percent I think that I I always gas myself up like this like man I think I'll be the best dad to live because seriously I don't like for me, I know for me growing up, I can trick my parents, you know, because they don't really know about certain shit that, like, young people are doing right now. And they don't really know. They won't really catch on. Like, both of my parents never drank, you know, never smoked, never did anything like that. So it's like they were just naive. They're from the Caribbean, like, both um, Jamaican. And they're from the Caribbean or whatever the case may be. And they're just like how they're how they look at life is completely different like sometimes they just won't even think about certain things in a in a specific way first of all my kid i know all of this shit already (laughs) i know all of this shit like you come home from you know from being out all night or you come home smelling like ganja i'm gonna know you know what i mean i'm gonna know exactly what that is you come home and like you start acting different or like you know, whatever the case may be, I'm a, I'm just gonna meet no certain things that I could just pick up on that I feel like my parents weren't able to pick up on because their mentality was so old school they didn't really think about certain things. Yeah, so like the ways that you like growing up, the ways that you tried to like maybe finesse your parents or keep things away oh. from them, you can recognize <laughs> it. Like I know what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly the same ways that, and I'm sure there were ways that they tried to finish their parents that they recognized in me, but 
it was just, it was just different growing up. Like, honestly, I don't know about you, but I feel like I lived a double life. Like, one what my my parents knew about, and then the life that I was actually living. I had, you know. Yeah, I gotta be quiet. There's there's still some stuff I'm pretty sure my mom does not even know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna skip right past that. She'll probably tune into this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. I don't want to cause no problems. <laughs> I don't want to cause no problems. I know my mom's not going. Well, my mom might find this actually. <laughs> I, might, I might tell her, be like, "Mom, I'm sorry, but you know, there's some things you don't know about. This might be my com- my way of coming out to her." <laughs> you gotta move. <laughs> really forward. put everything on the table. Exactly. Well, about the future. Exactly, exactly. You got to allow um, life to... With, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off because I was trying to figure out we're not um, on the topic of mental health, but I was trying to figure out because you said you were transitioning to um, become a therapist. No, I'm transitioning to find it that, like from one therapist to another. Oh, Okay. A new therapist, yeah. My um, I was at a, ther- a therapist in Tennessee. I used to live in Tennessee for a little while, and um, I was at a therapist over there. But I mean, it was just not working out because we could have done phone conferences and stuff as well. If I felt like I could, I wanted to continue with her, but one thing about choosing a therapist that I feel like you need to think about, to be completely honest, and I don't want to make this a race thing, but I feel like. Having somebody who understands, and maybe because I was in Tennessee, she didn't really understand certain things I was saying and things of that nature. But finding somebody who can relate to you, even down to, even down to your struggle as a black person or as a any type of person, right. would be is so beneficial. It really does make a difference, in my opinion. And how long it have really you been um, mm-hmm. doing therapy? Um. Well. <laughs> When I was real young, I, I my parents took me to therapy when I was really, really young because, you know, I was just doing dumb shit out here. Just doing dumb shit. Um, running around with the wrong crowd, doing shit like that, getting in trouble in school. And then eventually they just decided to take me and try and figure it out, like family therapy kind mm-hmm. of thing. So we did family therapy for a little, for like not very long. But that was my first introduction to therapy. It was just like a few a few weeks of family therapy. And then after that I you know, I took it up. I I went to college and I just had no I just had experiences after experience after experience of just hurt and pain and just shit like that. That was just that just really hurt me. And then as I just needed to talk to somebody and I went and I started talking to a therapist again. And since then, I, I just always, I just haven't looked back from there. I just always love to have somebody who I can be actually open with, you know? Right. That's, have you ever been that's to therapy? interesting as well, because I just, I am on um, my second session of therapy. Mm-hmm. So okay. I, um, I'm not pretty fond of, the health system, especially out here in Vegas. I mean, just for me, I know how yeah. I am pretty defensive. So I've been, I've gone, I've gone through a different few different providers and 
I decided to go with a, it's a black guy. Usually mm-hmm. I'll pick like female providers and things like that. But mm-hmm. I wanted to really like, I guess, be like uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I figured if I find a doctor that is already uncomfortable getting in the door, mm-hmm. then I should be a little bit more productive in the uh, sessions. But I almost, I almost canceled uh, today. You and almost I was like, you know already? What? No, but I did. But I did go. And it was a good mm-hmm. session. Good. You got to stay consistent. Yeah. You got to stay consistent when it comes to that. Do you feel like the first few doctors were just trying to push you too fast? Um, I felt like there's so many people in Las Vegas and like doctors and, and offices are so, so crowded. It's super hard to get appointments and it's more of like, I feel like it's more of a flip, like in and out, collect copay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> How many people can I get into the door? How many? How much money can I make? Right. So that's where I that's where I've been at because I'm like, okay, well, you guys don't care about me, so I'm not gonna come. Mm-hmm. And so I did that a few times, and then it's been maybe about five months, and I was like, you know what? I'm really not like I've I've exhausted all of the tools that I have for myself, and mm. you know when you're in like a when you're in like that like state of funk. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I've been here for, I've been here for longer than what I usually am. So now mm-hmm. it's time to try something else. Exactly. Sometimes you gotta just, you gotta try a lot of different, a lot of different types of people. Like for me, I'm saying, I'm saying black people, but I've only experienced black and or white therapists. Maybe I need to talk to an Asian, an Asian guy, <laughs> or something like that, and see where his perspective is at with it, because you. You shouldn't be afraid to try something. As we were as we were talking about earlier, don't put yourself in the box. Don't allow yourself to to, you know, feel like you have to have to have a certain you have to have a certain thing. As long as you're finding progression in what you're doing, that's all that really matters. Well, I'm only on session two. So mm-hmm. this is this is an interesting journey for me. In fact, I have a homework assignment. Do they give you like homework assignments? They give you stuff to they work on? Not. They don't. I'm interested to hear what your homework assignment was. Because usually they, just, they don't they just tell me to maybe think about something or they try and, like, tell me ideas that I should think about. But what, what kind of homework assignments are they giving you? Well, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for, you know, someone who will tell me to do something and then I have to do it because the doctor or mm-hmm. the clinician told me to do it. Um, but this goal, they or this task, they were like, you know, write down your short-term and your long-term goals, and then we'll discuss it next week. So that's what I that's what I'm tasked with. But now that I've been told to do that, you're like, uh, well, what the hell are my goals? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I mean, I guess one of them would be to make this podcast huge. Yeah, that would definitely, yeah, that's one of them, which is crazy because I've been introduced to, like, um, from this podcast, I'll probably be wanting to do, like, um, voiceovers. Oh, really? So there's a lot that's of things exciting. that I wasn't, when I first started the podcast, a lot of things that I didn't think about a couple of years ago, but now I'm seeing mm-hmm. the different ways that you can um, take it or even monetize. Monetize yourself. Yeah. Exactly. 
what's so interesting about podcasting is that people are can start paying you for being yourself, you know? Which is such an interesting concept, which I love a lot. I love the fact that nowadays you can grow a following just completely based off of the fact that you podcast consistently and that, you know, that you people hear your ideas and they love it based off of your podcast. I love the fact that we're in we're in that space of of um of t- of time right now. And your show, I really like your show. You have like a great, you have a amazing voice, and the way that you, you. tell the story, like you are, like thank it's engaging so from beginning to to the end. Thank you, thank you so much. I'm trying to, I'm actually trying to work on season two of that right now. I have a new, a completely new concept for how I want to. How I want to do it, um, and hopefully this one takes me a little, you know, takes me all over the place. You know, I don't want to kind of make this a New York thing, even though probably most of my interviews will be from New York again. Right. But, <laughs> but I mean, I I tried to make it something that people can get something out of. So I'm so glad that you listened to it and that you really really like it. Yeah, I especially like the um, episode about. Um, Cribs, and then also the one with um, the guy who was uh, a Rasta. Oh, the first one, and the uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's an interesting character, actually. I mean, he was really interesting. The Crip is my best friend, so oh, that okay. everything that everything that he was talking about, I had already known. <laughs> so, so I was just like, wow! Like I couldn't believe he was talking about some of the things that he was talking about on there. Yeah, that was interesting. Everybody has a has a has a, a different favorite episode, though you know, which is one thing. I feel like it's the same thing with your podcast. You feel like the, uh, people come to you and like for one specific one was like, "Wow, this one specifically, I love it a lot." Well, um, the basis of the show is just you know, intimate or like casual conversation, like like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I heard a few of your episodes before. And then the ones that I was doing when I re-released on in January uh, the third, mm-hmm. I just started with the series for the um, book Five Love Languages, because one of the challenges mm-hmm. that I was giving myself for twenty twenty was to uh, read more, and so that was just okay. the first book that I had started off with. So I broke it down, um, and also a way to make sure you know I can build up the habit to be consistent with releasing new shows same day mm-hmm. and same time. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you have a team or do you do it all by yourself? Um, as far as the show, I do it all by myself. Um, wow. My distribution and stuff is through uh, Townhouse Media. It's hosted on Spreaker. But mm-hmm. I'm like Tyler Perry I... right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that same boat. I don't have, well, I have a, t- my, well, actually I have a team more more productions you can um go on instagram and follow us we do like music videos and we do uh, um we're basically like an art collective or whatever mm-hmm. okay uh, yeah so we all just do our separate projects but we all come together and you know we do like music videos for people and we do like short films and you know podcasts and all types of different stuff like that there's but a video on your page to- that's really nice the introduction oh, yeah, to yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. follow me on instagram love underscore is rich that was <laughs> that was us that was our um we created that one 
it was a, it was it was a fun experience, but it's hard. But the, in terms of creating the show itself, I do it all by myself too, and it's hard. That's hard to do. Yeah, the production like, that you what, have in it, uh, the mm-hmm. the sound, the background tracks, and things like that. I really mm-hmm. like that. But even creating a weekly show like what you're doing right now, I used to do a weekly show. I'm going to be starting a new one called Live and Maintain. It should be coming out in February. But that coming out with a weekly podcast, in my opinion, that's as hard, if not harder, than creating a, a, a show like mine. Because you have to constantly, every single week, be putting it out (laughs) and that people don't understand that amount of consistency is not it's not easy to do especially completely by yourself and then I'm like learning you know what type of content um is me and Mm -hmm. what to create so yeah that's a process do you love did you do listen to any podcast before um before you were creating your own or did you just kind of hear about it and was like oh I could do that no, I didn't listen to any podcasts before. I watched a documentary on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called, um, it was like with Doug Benson. I think his name is Doug Benson. Mm-hmm. He's a comedian. And he had this um, podcast. And he would go down to San Diego for Comic Con. Oh, it was called Chronic Con. Chronic Con? <laughs> yes. And I was like... They just put, I was like, they put weed and podcasting together. And wow. I already knew that the, you know, um, weed and That's everything. That's something was that you wanted to, to get off. into. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, podcasting is up next. And so I was like, <laughs> I need to create a podcast. And so mm-hmm. I came up with the um, podcast. I came up with the name, which was centered around, um, it dealt with a lot of like personal issues, like my logo originally was um, okay. the it's a naked woman and she's like uh sitting and then it's the lips with my mm-hmm. like piercings because I have the two yeah spider bites on each side and um the lips have like the liquid dripping and it's dripping on the woman mm-hmm. and it was kind of a play on um like I was saying people kind of assume a certain persona or they assume your personality in a certain way. Based off how you look. Right. And so it was mm. kind of a flip on kind of taking back your sexuality as women, especially with things, the way things were changing with music and uh, the views and just in media. And so that's why I did the first logo. Mm-hmm. And then I came up with the name Talk Flirty. Um, just more of like a more flirtatious persona mm-hmm. and then I came up with the just a little the slogan or like the tagline which is the welcome to talk for the podcast the podcast where life is reflected through intimate conversation and mm-hmm. intimate is not like you know uh, sexual or anything like that it's just yeah. casual conversation like you would meet someone off the street and you guys can mm-hmm. end up having a really deep conversation. Yeah. Personal conversation. conversation. Mm-hmm. And so that was the basis of the show, which was to have guests each show and having a casual conversation with them. Wow. That's, I mean, that the, a lot of the basic ideas 
already show the amount of strength that it takes to do that. I mean, ha- being able to just meet somebody and just talk to them is not easy. It's not easy, you know? At least, so are you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Um, I think myself to be more of a, more introverted. But mm-hmm. um, I have found that just in random places or like just out about, out and about, um, people will have a conversation with you and there's like no like second guess to them being open. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like you are in the right spot at the right time to receive a certain message from that person. Mm-hmm. And so that was the, pretty much what I was um, piggybacking off of with the show. So it's even harder for you to have these conversations because we, we just met today and I feel like our conversation is flowing really, really easily. But I know for an introvert, that's really hard to do. Did you have to work at that? Um, No, I didn't really work at it too much. It's more of like... um allow the other person to speak (laughs) (laughs) speak as much as they need to and um just listen so being able to listen Mm -hmm. yeah and they'll give you something and you'll you know that'll pique interest and you ask questions about that or elaborate on things from there and it just flows well that's one of the key key things for interviewers I don't know. I went to school for mass communication. So, like, they taught us how to interview and all that type of shit. Oh, okay. But, like, yeah, they taught us. But, like, one thing that a lot of interviewers don't realize is how important it is to listen. They're spending, even when it comes down to therapy, how you were talking about it earlier, most people in general, they don't take the time to listen. So when you meet somebody who's willing to actually listen to what you're saying, mm-hmm. you naturally just have an, a more interesting dynamic because when people want feel like you're actually actively listening to what they're to what what they're talking about, you automatically get people to open up, which I feel like maybe why I, why I was able to open up to you so easily. But that's a that's a skill in itself. Yeah, so that's pretty much what I want the show to be on. So thank you. <laughs> Listeners can understand. Come and, come and sit on the couch with, with Nikki Do mm-hmm. you have specific types of people that you want to get on, or is it just everybody? Well, with this outlet, I have a... I definitely want to be more of like a support to people, mm-hmm. projects and things that they want to get out and, and promote. So definitely we want to use the podcast in that way. Friends and families and small businesses and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then also exactly. I um I wanted to go that route so that it's not like a gossip show. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted <laughs> I wanted it to be more of like people tune in and um they can join in on the conversation or um relate to the conversation and might want to put their own two cents in. Mm-hmm. Keeping it welcoming like that. I that's one of my main things too is making sure that my my channel isn't turned into just another vlog for the Kardashians. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I really don't want that to happen. I really want to actually talk about things that. We're well, not saying the Kardashians don't matter necessarily. You know, they're 
they're people just like everybody else. But I don't want to just be talking about other people and their bullshit, you know? Right. And then a lot of, I mean, every topic is probably going to be touched on by multiple people. But mm-hmm. when you um, have just only hot topics and current events and things, it's the same. It's like watching the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay, well... You know, you're re- you're tired of the same thing running over and over, and I didn't want to fall into that. Which you which you aren't aren't far, and you I don't think you will unless you know you you allow yourself to. Right, and it's um it's definitely a podcast for the people. So anyone who's like listening, they can definitely be a part of the show. Different topics that may be introduced in one episode, they have a rebuttal. We could definitely schedule and have them on as a guest um to get their point of view so i definitely it's a two-way street i guess with the podcast did you have any more any final thoughts or anything well, else you i guess to go um close? so real change comes from love real changes in my opinion doesn't come from anything else other than love just doing like even doing this podcast you know that you could be somebody's piece that's true. You, know, you can definitely be somebody's piece. I mean, there's at least one person listening to this right now, hopefully, who got at least one message from what we're talking about today. Human experience is definitely universal. And I love and I love the fact that, you know, me and you, different sides of the world, probably totally different upbringings, you know, probably totally different, maybe not totally, but like different upbringings, different everything. Well, definitely, because you had the religion and things in your home. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So just even that, like, but we can still relate on so many things. And that's the most beautiful thing about about life. Yeah. So thank you for giving me the platform to talk about it. (laughs) Definitely check us out. Love underscore is rich is is my Instagram, you know. Follow me. We talk about a lot of different content. We talk about a lot of different topics, a lot of the topics that... (laughs) You know, I'm passionate about, right, you know, that I talked about here. You know, I kind of try and talk about it on my Instagram on a daily. Um, Warm World, that's a production company. Hit us up for all your all your production needs. You know, we have a lot of very talented people in that group. Definitely check us out. And, well, and thank you for having me on. I mean, that's kind of where, where I am. I'm so thankful. And just everybody remember, like, Try and show somebody love today. Try and show somebody some type of um, some type of care because yes. you never know what somebody is going through, and you never know what you can do to help somebody. And the the ultimate rule is love, so just keep it going. Yes, thank you, and thank you for connecting and taking the time to be on the show. So I really do appreciate this conversation that we did have. And of course, thank you. I'm definitely looking forward to your next season for your podcast. You know, I've <laughs> already been you, hitting you, you up. Like where, where can I find <laughs> the new episode? Don't be patient. Uh, it's, in the, it's coming soon. And I, 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 I found the idea for it now. Or I know exactly where I want to go. It just takes so long to produce those things, you know? <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I think my theme for 2020 is love. Like, I'm not sure how it just gravitated to that, but that is Mm -hmm. what I've been focused on going into this year. And that is what will probably be spearheading a lot of things, a lot of my projects this year. Well, that's the universal language right there. Love. 
So if you keep if you keep on that path, trust me, you'll be able to create and relate to a lot of different types of people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Definitely keep tuning in every Tuesday to Talk Pretty Podcast. Mm-hmm. It is hosted right here on Spreaker, and you can also stream it on pretty much all streaming platforms. Pick one, make it your favorite, and tune in each week. Again, thank you for coming to the show. Until next time.